You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 293 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? Good. What's been happening in Gina world? Um, all right. I can't confirm or deny I may have been day drinking today, just a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> it's, it's Sunday, all right? Sure. Why just not? a little bit. We call it Mama's Little Helper because, you know, as you know, I've been isolating with uh, uh, several people. I've got Siri and... Uh, <laughs> Alexa. Alexa and then Gary and Tiger. Yes. And so, you know, today I sort of thought, hey guys, why don't we why don't we have a little drink to celebrate do they, Sunday? Do they all get along? Um so Like especially Siri and Alexa or are they bitches to no, each other? They're bitches to each um. other. They are complete bitches to each other. And on in all honesty, um I have the most problems with Alexa because oh. And I think you noticed this because I pointed it out when you were here mm. visiting. Mm. She's up herself. <laughs> and and uh, lately, the, and can you hear the squeaking in the background? Okay, so that's not Alexa. That's actually Gina's dog, Gary, playing with his toy. His so, squeaky toy, which yeah. he just like thought that it would be a great idea to bring it out and calm Rogeri who bought it for you. Oh, my God. you, calm. And there's four more where that come from. Great. They get lost. Okay, Gary, I think that maybe mum will go and get your squeaky toy from you now while I tell listeners what I've been doing. So I've been really impressed by a lot of the people who have been doing the photo challenge. Last week we talked about trick photography, especially in trying to do some composite shots of uh, items levitating, including mm. yourself. Yes. And um, and there are still people who are doing the composite shots where they're placing various versions of the self, multiple versions of themselves, um, in, in the same shot, doing different things, often in different outfits. Um, many people, because they're isolated at home, are doing different things of what they would be doing at home in their lounge room or kitchen or whatever. Um, but we have a shout out to David Lloyd who did his first attempt at levitating and succeeded very well. <laughs> he says he had a picture of Luke Skywalker lifting stones <laughs> in, in his head. Um, so there's a great shot and we'll put the link, I mean, we'll put the image in the show notes, which of course you can find at ginamilitia.com. And it's David presumably in his lounge room and he is levitating in front of his sofa and various things are also floating through the air including a camera lenses a flash various bits of artwork it kind of looks like he's in zero gravity so um that 
that's an awesome shot. Shout out also to Kim Partridge who did uh, a great composite shot of her three versions of herself having conversations with <laughs> having a conversation with with herself, <laughs> um, finding herself very fascinating, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's a great <laughs> shot of her around her dining room table having a dinner party with herself. And great then, lighting too, but yes. very dramatic, the whole look. And uh, I love the um, the way she's edited that image. So, you know, fantastic. Yeah, good really stuff, good. Kim. Check check them out at ginamalisha.com. And also James has given has done a composite shot in his family's living room with his entire family multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like, you know, uh, the, a cast of thousands because he's got multiple children and uh, there's there, there's a mum there's mum reading the book but also mum is playing on the floor with the kid. There's also mum on the sofa. There's uh, James um, talking to one of the children, one feed, what James feeding maybe James bringing in Toilet rolls into the house. <laughs> Possibly toilet rolls and beer. I'm not sure what's in the carton. But it's a great shot, uh, you know, that and he rose to the photo challenge. Um, Andre also uh, rose to the photo challenge. This is a really good one in his backyard where he is throwing his baby to himself while a third version of himself is there to catch just in case, just in case the second version of himself misses. And the baby is flying through the air. So he's combined the levitating challenge with the um, multiple person challenge and done a very, very good job. Excellent yeah, so, job. And Andre also uh, included a behind-the-scenes video on the making of this image, which is fantastic as well. So if you want to go head over to the So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast Facebook group, you can uh, see that behind-the-scenes video. Fantastic job. So if you want to me so happy. If you want to go there, just search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community on Facebook. We'd love to have you in there. Just request to join. And um, it's so great to see so many different types of photographers from all walks of life from all over the world. Also, yeah, and just be- before we go on, Val, oh, yes. um, just shout out to all the uh, mums and dads out there that are homeschooling at the moment. And I know this is a photography podcast, Val, but I've got a yes. couple of tips okay, for homeschooling. All right, a couple of ideas because I know it's tough being isolated with the family day in, day out. There's no mm. escape. You can't go to work to escape. Mm. But... Um, couple of really good ideas. So you're homeschooling, right? So I think it's a great idea to teach your children art in the home. And one of the best ideas I saw for this was where a dad who had his, uh, I think, three or four kids and to teach them art, what he did is like, okay, every afternoon, kids, you're going to draw me sleeping. That's great. Okay. Isn't that the best idea? Good idea. And so he climbs into bed and goes to sleep mm. and uh, and the kids uh, draw him sleeping. So mm. for the next hour, you just I'm going to lie very still. You might hear me <laughs> breathing differently, but you draw me uh, sleeping. And another one, another little tip. Um, yes. If you want to teach reading, very important, Val, to teach yeah, okay, kids reading. On. So what you can do is uh, pop them in front of the TV and turn the subtitles on. Oh, yes. So suddenly Very a movie handy. becomes oh reading. You're welcome, everyone. It's the least I can do. <laughs> Did you see my picture of homeschooling? Were you homeschooling Rexy or Rocky? 
Rexy. So I hashtag mm. homeschooling. So yeah, I got Rex um, in front of the iPad and uh, to YouTube on the iPad, and you search for cat videos for cats to watch. Hours mm. of fun. Yeah. Hours. What are they? Are they like of mice running across the screen or birds or what? Yeah. What are so someone put a camera on. It seems like it's in a a a, a park that's in a forest because it's uh-huh. like a it's a, it's the woods. But there's a picnic table and someone's put a camera at the end of the picnic picnic table and some bird seed on the picnic table. So there's hours, like eight hours, of birds coming and going, and it's mesmerizing for the cat. So it's not like a sitcom <laughs> where they pick up the next day and they've got to watch all the episodes. No, it's not quite like that. He mm. doesn't have to decide whether he's going to binge or space it out. Or be invested um, in a certain character or not. Yeah, that's right. He does occasionally walk behind the iPad to see if the bird's actually there. Oh, that's so cute. It's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally puts his paw against the iPad Possibly a bit confused, so maybe I need to get him therapy after this because the world as he knows it isn't quite (laughs) what it seems. Um, But, yes, that's my effort at homeschooling. But your tips are good too. Now we We want to give a shout-out to Sue Morris because this week's episode cover uh, is by Sue and it is gorgeous. So... You can um, find her on Instagram at Sue Morris Photography, but this is a macro shot of a flower, um, and the flower is against a black background, and it's kind of white uh, petals with uh, green stem and some green kind of petals as well. And um, it's obviously it's a close up of this shot, and because of the white against the black, it is it really pops, and there's this. This has very del- delicate kind of stringy petals, so they are um, uh, they you can see the detail, and there's a lot of interest in this in this shot and the way that the petals are formed. So Sue has said, "I've been taking photos for many years, more than I care to re- remember." My parents gave me my first camera, a Kodak Brownie one twenty seven, wow. for my eighth birthday. My dad would take the film into work with him to develop it for me, all black and white. And I think there were about twelve images to a roll of film. That's right, there were twelve images. Yeah. He was a professional photographer, so you could say taking photos is in my genes. Over the years, other things took priority, and I just took snapshots of my family with whatever camera happened to be in vogue at the time and that I could afford. Uh, Then about 11 years ago, I bought my first DSLR, and that ignited my passion all over again. Well, Sue, you've done a fantastic job with this close-up shot of this flower, and it is this week's episode cover. So, yeah, gorgeous, isn't it? Amazing, yeah. And then uh, Sue's now a a member of the Gold community and she's now uh, trying her hand at off-camera flash as well as uh, self-portrait photography and uh, all the Goldies in there working very hard to upgrade their skills at this time, Val. Perfect time to do it as well. This podcast is brought to you by the Gold community. One of the things I love is mentoring the incredible photographers who are in my Gold community. I recently asked Brian Becknell on how much the Gold community has had an impact on his photography. Joining the community itself um, and and having access to you and to all the members um, and the tutorials are absolutely incredible. The way that you teach, the way that you, you mentor, 
is just absolutely empowering. Your tutorials are the, the bravery and the courage that I, I needed to begin that journey. You make it possible. Um, it's not all gear techno speak. It's um, it's down to earth. It's it's just a, a way that I can understand and I can pause the tutorial and practice. I can pause and practice and keep moving. The the support. Oh my God, the support of everybody in the group um, has been just incredible. Um, like no other community, no other photography group or anything that I've ever been a part of. I want constructive criticism is redundant in that group. It's always constructive. It's, it's always people who care about what they're saying and they care about the person they're saying it to. Oh my God, I've told so many friends about our community. It's, just, it's been life-changing for, for me and my photography journey. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. Now, of course, Sue's photo ties in perfectly with this week's topic, which is a macro photography challenges, a macro photography challenge for beginners and pros. Now, wow, this is a really good topic, Gina, macro photography. So mm. where do we start? Well, um, let's start with a, what a description of macro photography what, is. What, you mean we're not starting with an inspirational quote from your... I don't have one, Val. <laughs> should I pull one out of there? Should I ask um, Alexa for one or How something? about size matters? Size matters. Well, I've noticed... Uh, have you noticed that, that like when you're in quarantine, uh -huh. I don't know if it's like something to do with the atmosphere or the heat. I haven't quite worked it out, but... My clothes are getting smaller. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> are yours getting – what is that? I can't, I can't figure it out. It's just like, you know, they were the right size. So I think it's something to do with the atmosphere, the way the planets are lined yeah. up at the moment. But I'm not the only one that's complaining about mm, this. It's true. Yes. <laughs> so um, – Anyway, back to macro. Yeah, back to macro photography, yeah. So it's a extreme close-up photography and yeah. this is – I've had so much fun <laughs> – Oh my god! Yes, everyone. You, I, I don't. I usually say that you don't need to see the show notes along with the episode, although you can, of course, if you want. But because Gina's put <laughs> amused herself to no end while you know in hashtag ISO life, it is probably worthwhile for you to check them out if you can over at GinaMilitia dot com. Yeah. So um, this. This challenge that I've got for you this week to do macro photography, super, super easy, but you're going to surprise yourself by how much you actually learn <laughs> about photography just by doing simple tabletop. Like you can learn about lighting, you can learn about composition, you can learn about uh, making composite images. So there's something for absolute beginners to uh, pros and you can then apply this to your everyday photography so there's no reason just because you can't go outside that you can't create uh, great art and work on all your skills including your editing skills so to take uh, these uh, sorts of images where it's macro I think uh, again and when I say tripod, I'm a great lover of tripods I think they're uh, essential for shooting because they just make life so much easier in post-production and I think a good image is all comes down to the planning and um, 
creating different layers in the image and merging those together. So I think for doing macro photography, uh, having a tripod is really handy. And of course, if you don't have one, then uh, last week we talked about using something like a uh, a bean bag uh, or a bag of rice or something that you can sort of squish your camera into so that you're going to hold it nice and steady because it's important that your camera is steady and then you can do uh, longer exposures uh, mm-hmm. without having to raise your ISO. So a good tripod and you do need a macro lens, but it's not necessary because I'm going to give you a couple of DIY hacks that you can make your own macro lens because I think a good macro lens sort of uh, is several hundred dollars, even thousands to get mm. a good one. Um, but you can also use your phone camera if you want and do a DIY macro lens on that. So if you want to give that a go, um, if you're very adventurous, uh, then you can try putting a drop of water on the camera lens. Uh, make sure it's on the lens and that'll oh. have the same. Yeah, that, that actually makes it a little macro lens. So that that does work. Yeah, you can do that. Or the other hack is if you've got, you know, those cheapy uh, plus one, plus two glasses that you get from the dollar store where they're just like really cheap lenses for reading um, small print, you know, those ones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought some. Yeah, those little dollar ones. Well, Uh, no, mine were like $20. if you've got an old uh, a pair of glasses uh, lying around that what you know one one of the lenses is broken but one of the lenses still works and you can pop that lens out and kind of you know tape it to the to the back of your uh, over your camera lens and that's also going to magnify the lens and make you a sort of DIY little right. uh, macro lens for your phone so that'll work and the third method you can use for your iPhone or your phone your smartphone is If you happen to have, and I reckon everyone's got one of these in their top drawer in the kitchen, is an old point-and-shoot camera that you don't use anymore. You know, those ones that like five, seven years ago we were spending $800 for these Mm. little point-and-shoot cameras and now our phones do all that. But Mm. those little point-and-shoots that you might not use anymore, if you're kind of handy, you can pull the whole thing apart and pull out the tiny little lens that's in that and tape that over your iPhone lens or your smartphone lens and that will give you a macro lens. Failing all of that, you can just jump on Amazon and buy an actual macro lens. How do you take the lens out of the point and shoot camera? You got to pull it apart and oh, get well, in that's... there, and you know okay. that's that gotta sounds like a bit it. much. But you know, if you're into doing it DIY, or just jump on Amazon and spend the five bucks, and uh, and you can get one uh, mm. that actually fits the the you know and looks beautiful and everything. So you know that's for your smartphone. If you don't happen to own a uh, a macro lens for your DSLR, and what a macro lens allows you to do is get very close and focus very close. So that's the difference. Whereas a standard lens, you won't be able to get super, super close to get these macro images. So you do need a macro lens. But So what you can do mm. um, is if you've got, say, a 28 millimeter, like a fixed focal length lens, like a 28 or the nifty 50, if you've got one of those... Um, what you do is you actually need to reverse it. So the front is going to where the back bit is and the back is the front. You reverse it. Right. And there is an actual uh, reverse lens adapter ring that you can buy. They're about $10 on Amazon that you actually screw into the um, 
screw onto the lens and it'll allow you to uh, rig this lens onto your camera backwards. Now, I doubt that the uh, autofocus or any of the auto uh, bits will work on the, on the lens, but you can manually focus and what you've got is a, a really cheap uh, DIY hack for a macro lens and it works. Right. So cool. that's that's another way. And if you don't you like you just want to give it a go, you can do something called free lensing as opposed to free balling, which is what a lot of people <laughs> is doing. Is that the um that's the uh, Aussie slang word of the week. Free lensing folks. Free lensing, <laughs> which is where you hold the lens up to the um to the opening because obviously you don't have that adapter and just sort of hold it there and you can kind of move your camera back and forth uh, to the product till you get it in focus, you know, and you can mm -hmm. try that. And you can also like the more you um, move the lens away from the um, from the opening there, or the less it'll it'll have an, an influence. It'll create some blur around the body. It's quite an interesting effect. Like people do this for with uh, when they're filming or doing photo shoots, they they pull the lens away. So that's a couple of ways that you can do. Um, macro if you don't have your own macro lens so you can have a go at these challenges these little tabletop challenges cool that's great right, i think so the I've... cheapest one is clearly the water droplet water droplet but you know that comes with the do that at your own risk i i suspect there is no damage done but i don't want to hear that you oh, put water on the lens and now my phone doesn't work because like you know if you if you're at all unsure don't do it is what i say that's my warning right. so but but uh all the cheap glasses as well mm. could be a good hack or mm. a magnifying glass now, the kinds of things you can photograph, so we've just made our world very, very small. So you've got like infinite objects around the house that you can photograph and, and, and everything changes when you get into this macro world. Some, some, suddenly everything becomes fascinating. So you've got like things like bugs, obviously, so flies mm. and spiders and spider webs and things like that. If you've got access to the garden, you can look for things like that. Uh, anything in nature like leaves and bark and all those sorts of textures look amazing in macro. Mm. Uh, glass up close with water droplets. Water in itself is fantastic for macro. You've got your um, furry babies like fur and eyes mm. and paws. And like, have you ever seen the detail of a, uh, a dog's paw or a cat's paw when it's really super macro it's like this other world so there's all sorts of things cutlery fruit and vegetables mm. you can do grunge, oh, yes like textures. fruit and vegetables fruit and vegetables suddenly take on a whole new look and then mm. there's of course the whole world that i took great delight in immersing myself in this oh, week which is the world of lego and small people so lego i actually this week i felt like i was seven years old again just back home um you know playing with my lego watching uh soapies and and eating copious amounts of food i shouldn't be eating which you know somehow makes my clothes smaller so so much fun so let's uh let's uh break it down and and uh share how, how you get these techniques and i'm i'm so excited to see what everyone comes up with with uh these uh challenges val yeah absolutely so okay go for it all right, so um, 
Yeah, and as I said, I've loaded a whole heap of uh, images into the show notes. And also um, I want to talk about uh, my observations because you can certainly just um, stick to working with available light. So just maybe set yourself up a little tabletop uh, and a tripod and have maybe a large window at your back so that you're flooding your image with nice uh, beautiful flat even daylight and that is a fantastic starting point that's going to get you sort of accustomed with working with the macro and getting your composition and getting your image sharp that's a good starting point but what we're going to talk about today is taking everything next level and using lighting to um, really give those images a whole different look and give them some drama and a bit of edge so First of all, what you want to do is work out what the subject is that you want to have. So you set yourself up like a good little tabletop is good. Make sure you've got your steady tripod and you've got your camera set up. And what I find is it can be um, a bit off-putting when you first start trying to do macro and you start to try and focus using the autofocus. It's like there's this, all this hunting that goes on and sometimes your camera might be uh, too close to the subject to start with for the camera to find a focus. So give it a little hand. And what I like to do is start with, I'll set my scene up and then I'll use manual focus to get everything uh, looking sort of within the zone. Does that right. make sense, Val? So that the camera's not having to hunt as much at the start. Right. And then and then I use my autofocus to uh, fine-tune that and, and then I can get a, a good lock on. But to start with, just uh, a bit of manual focus will get you um, – is a lot easier than trying to autofocus at the start. And then what you'll find is depending on the lens that you've got and its ability to focus as close as you'd like, sometimes what you need to do is actually um, – it's once you've got your camera set up, you don't you want to avoid having to move that back and forth because obviously if it's on a tripod, tiny little movements are going to make a huge difference. What's easier is if you actually move the products that you're photographing instead of moving the camera. Mm. So if you make a little set and make it easy that you can move those uh, products like millimetres back or millimetres forward, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to shoot the products. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. All right, so you set up on a tripod. You've got your composition that you're thinking of set up. And what you want to do is you want to think about depth of field. Now, when you're shooting with macro, because we're coming in really close and we're focusing very close to something, it means that the depth of field is going to be, it's going to fall out of focus much, much faster yeah. than, than a normal lens. So uh, say something that is uh, F5.6 on a normal lens, you'd, you would have like a fair amount of depth of field there. The, Objects in the front would be sharp, middle ground would be sharp, and background would be sharp. Not the case with macro. So, you know, what happens is it drops out a lot faster. So if you want to have an image where you've got uh, sharpness all the way through, then you want to be looking at shooting at, say, F16 or even F22 to get a better depth of field in your image, if that's important to the image. And often, say, if you're shooting, say you were shooting a spider, and he was looking at you, right, and you focused on his eye, then probably if you were shooting at, say, F4 or F2.8, his eyes might be sharp, but by the time you get mm. to, like, mid-body, 
um, legs number three and four might start to drop out of focus. Yeah. And for the spider, that makes it not as interesting as if you saw his whole body in focus. So experiment with your depth of field. And what you can, what you got to remember is. Um, not so much with the spider, but say if you were photographing little people or bits of fruit or Lego or something like that, something that didn't move, you could have a you, your exposure could go for twenty seconds. It doesn't matter, right? Mm. So remember that. So what you want to do is you want to keep your ISO uh, to a minimum. So I like to say start at around a hundred or four hundred ISO, like nice and low ISO. Then I set my aperture for how I want my shot to look. So do I want a shot that's going to be sharp all the way through? Remembering that it's macro, I'm going to try maybe an an f-stop of, say, f8 or f11, somewhere around there. That's my starting point. And then I set my shutter speed accordingly, all right? Mm -hmm. So I might need to have a longer shutter speed to make sure that I get that uh, exposure looking good making sense so far making sense making sense. all right so start out and try and and shoot with a uh, a, a narrower uh, f-stop so something like f8 to f16 and lower iso on tripod then you want to think about the types of backgrounds that you want to use so you might want to just use the background that is behind the image and remember that the background will probably blur out so um often a background that looks like, you know, if you've if we were shooting at Jan's house, Jan from Accounts, <laughs> yeah. and we're in her front room where she has all those dolls that stare at you where the yes. doll's eyes follow you around the room, right? Okay. So if you were there and you go, I don't want all these dolls in the shop, but I don't want to offend Jan by asking her to move all the dolls, right? Because this happens all the okay. time when you're yeah. a photographer. So instead I might shoot at, say, F4, and I know that all the dolls are going to blow out in the background they'll be out of focus and I can have my little spider looking amazing and it'll be a backdrop of blurry swirls which may or may not be dolls because you can't tell okay yeah yeah fair enough okay so but if you don't if you want to do sort of more tabletop product type of macro stuff where you want to have a nice clean background then you can make your own little DIY background so you can get like a sheet of uh, fulls cap paper like an A4 sheet of paper and just make your own DIY little psych so a little curved piece of paper so just get a couple of cans of beans (laughs) put it behind the paper and then um, make a little curve out of it and then um, you know fasten the front of it with some tape or a couple of other cans of beans just to hold it in place and then you put your product there in the middle so you've got this um, nice seamless background that you can put your product on so you can do that with any color any style of paper so you might have a heavier style of textured paper you might have one of your uh, Valerie Koo prints in the background Mm-hmm. So that could look good. All right. So um, there's all sorts of things you can use, or you can even, um, if you want to make bokeh in the background, Val, you can get some of those um, uh, little fairy lights that are um, operated by battery. They're usually a lower voltage, and you can just um, scrunch up a bunch of those behind your product far away, and the little balls of light will create beautiful bokeh in the background. Yeah, so that's a, a really handy background. And or you can use a something like make yourself a little DIY light box or use an iPad and put a picture on the iPad and use that as a background. Mm-hmm. As well. So that works really well. Cool. In t- 
terms of lighting for these uh, images, what you can do is uh, if you're just starting out, what I suggest is uh, don't um, complicate things with lighting till you get your head around how the macro works. Once you get into it, you'll see where lighting might help to improve this. But what you can start with is just having a big window behind you and just use daylight. And if you wanna take it next level, then you can start to work in some continuous lighting or flash if you wanna take it to the next level. Continuous lighting, all of these images, all I've used for the lighting is a little LED, like $5 flashlight, Val. So just right. simple little, and, and the beauty of this little flashlight is it can actually, I can focus the beam. So I can make it go from a like a wide, soft area of light to a, a pin sort of point narrow beam of light, which is kind of hard like sunlight. So you're so suggesting of, the flashlight is actually better for macro photography because you can concentrate it more. Well, you can, and if you've got if you've got one of those um, any any kind of flashlight that you can focus the beam, and and again, the, the, these are at the supermarket for five or ten dollars. If you've got one mm. of those, then you're going to have a, a lot more fun doing this challenge because you can uh, focus the light and create shadows and a lot more interest in your images. So um, that works well. And again, flash using all the principles uh, of flash, you just uh, use your flash and the modifiers. Uh, to, to light your image uh, as well. So there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. So shall we go through uh, the images that I've, I've done here and I'll, I'll, I'll walk you through them? Absolutely. Which one are we going to start with? Um, all right. Let's start with um, the bread man, the bread man, the, the, okay. the guy Okay. So basically <laughs> what Gina's got here, she's got, a, she's got a slice of bread on her dining room table. So it's like a wooden table and it's like rye bread or something. And she's got a guy who is probably only 10 millimetres. So like the, the, the nail of your pinky. Yeah. Um, hi, and uh, he is in jeans and a white shirt, and he is leaning on a rake. <laughs> so he's he and he's on top of the piece of bread. How cute is that? It's very cute. Liked, so the first image, Val, simply mm. just I had a large window behind me, and that's just daylight. Okay. And I wanted to show you how you can dramatically change the look and feel of the macro image just by introducing light. And so the second image, which is the black and white version of that um, mm. image, but it's a much higher contrast. And you can see that the there is a hard, long, narrow shadow. So it looks like late afternoon sun. Yes. And all I did was get my little torch and I made the um, beam very narrow and very hard. And I held it very far away and very high up, just like mm. the sun would shine. And I sh and um, just was using that with my left hand, shining it on, on the, my little man. And then I took a shot with that. So exposing for the highlights. So a lot of the blacks, the blacks crunch and you get this uh, completely different look. And this is what I said, like doing this sort of stuff, you're going to have a much better understanding when you then go head outside to doing street photography or exposing for highlights versus exposing for shadows. It's, 
so obvious once you start doing it this way you go oh that's what happens and yeah and then you understand how you see those amazing street portraits that you see uh out and about where they're so high in contrast this is how you do it and mm. this is just a smaller uh little setup but it, you learn so much and this that. is so the huge difference so the the shot that is um without the special light um i've already described to you and he it kind of just looks like he's um it's a cute shot uh the second shot that jean is talking about where she's used the flashlight and it casts no, the the continuous light continuous light sorry and um it casts that really long shadow it's a much moodier shot it's much grittier and it looks like uh, instead of being a cute shot i mean it's still a cute shot but the mood isn't cute the mood is like it's really the end of the hard day he's been raking for eight hours or 12 hours and he's had it kind of thing so that little change in lighting can make such a difference yeah, and also when you're thinking about lighting your little people or your little products, remember that lighting from the front, from the same direction as the camera, is going to give you a very flat-looking image. So the image is going to be evenly lit all the way across and not as interesting as if you try and bring some drama into the shot just by lighting from the side, uh, left or right, or the back or the top. So try and avoid lighting if you're going to bring in artificial lighting try and avoid lighting from the front and instead try lighting from the side uh, or or the back and this applies to when you light your uh, products and landscapes and even your portraits if you want to sculpt the image and give it more uh, a more 3d look you always want to light from the side or the back rather than the front okay yep great tip all right. All right. So next. yeah, ne- next up, I also did a couple of other uh, fun images. Again, using daylight with the light behind me, nice and flat. And I did. I got out my little Fuji X100F, and I have I got a couple of guys that are cleaning the lens and uh, <laughs> cleaning cleaning the uh, the the, the so viewfinder. These guys, they're so cute. They're dressed in overalls, in paint splattered overalls, and they've got paint brushes and you know, uh, accessories like that. And they're actually on teeny tiny ladders, <laughs> extendable ladders of different heights. And so jean has got them leaning up against her camera, as she said, cleaning the viewfinder, cleaning the lens. It's really cute. Where in the world did you get these little people from, Gina? So oh, just oh. to be clear, just to be clear, everyone, this these aren't pictures of real people that she's shrunk. She's actually bought teeny tiny people on teeny tiny ladders and stuff where did you get them there is a whole industry of teeny tiny people (laughs) and so i just did a bit of googling and i and and like you can buy them on uh, amazon um but they all came from overseas so they weren't going to get to me in time for this challenge so i actually found a local uh, hobby shop in melbourne and they delivered so i got two two packets workmen (laughs) and um gardeners and now I'm turning into one of those people that goes, oh, it'd be really good to get the bike riders. Now I want that. What's happening to me, Valerie? Oh, my God. So, again, with these images, I really um, experimented with using daylight and then just how radically different the image is when you light with uh hard light. And particularly I've got a shot of a guy who's uh, cleaning my 
camera lens. So he's leaning up against the ladder and he's cleaning that. And the, the first image is shot with daylight. And then it just changes so dramatically by bringing in this hard edged light to create a shadow from the ladder. Mm. And also it creates a reflection of the guy into mm. the lens and mm. it just changes the whole mood and just lifts it. It just look, looks crisper and it's got more edge and it, it really says something. So <laughs> think about the, the, the drama of the light. You'll get so into this. You'll start ordering little people as well. It won't be just oh me. So I experimented a lot with this uh, dramatic lighting and also when I was exposing, I made sure that I wasn't exposing for the shadows because if you put your ex um, exposure, your meter, like that's the, if you're uh, metering and exposing at the, using the same focus point, so focus and metering is the same point on most cameras, um, you put the focus point in the brightest part of the uh image and then adjust your exposure accordingly so that you're only exposing for the highlights. What's going to happen is all your blacks are going to crunch up. You're going to lose all detail, but what you end up with is these dramatic looking images. And so I've got like the, I took the, the farmer on the bread and uh, the, the guy raking and I made it even more dramatic and he's just in a little triangle of light, Val. And yeah. then um, I've got my so, uh, boy. Yep. Go, yeah, so Gina's, it's as if it's the, the, the guy who's raking on the bread, it's like there's, it's like he's has a spotlight on him yep. um, in a theater, in a darkened theater. It's very dramatic. It's a great effect. Yeah. And then I also did the same with uh, my uh, little boy mowing the lawn, but instead of the lawn, I put him in, in into an orange. And so he's <laughs> mowing the peel and I lit him from the top. And again, it, it gets quite dramatic because it's everything else has gone to black except for this little spotlit orange and then i did uh my little guy cleaning glasses okay so, so I, gina's got he, her glasses here and they're filthy they're, they're not mine then they're, they're actually like an old pair that i found they okay, are disgusting sure. but they're not they're mine absolutely <laughs> filthy and grimy as in spectacles glasses that's what i mean yeah. and they're on the wooden table and they're just grimy and it really Alexis. looks yeah, yeah, they're, they're Alexis. Like she's a dirty bird. <laughs> and so she's got this little person cleaning the glasses. It really looks like he's cleaning glasses. Um, and it's it, there's some kind of light coming from um, – so his back is to the camera and then he's cleaning glasses which are in front of him. And it looks like there's some kind of light coming from behind the glasses so that – He's not quite a silhouette, but so that the, the point is to see the grime in the glasses. Do you ever wonder, Valerie, that your life has now come to this? That it's like of all the achievements you've had in your life, you know, you, 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 you're interviewing, you know, multi-award winning <laughs> famous people, you're writing your own books, you've got your own mega company and you're sitting here describing little people on a podcast. <laughs> it's the highlight of my week, Gina. Great. <laughs> um, all right. And so, and, and finally, uh, oh, um, one of the other things, a, a really cool trick is to do uh, water droplet reflection photography. Oh, I and, love uh, this. So, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is where, like, you can have um, – the edge of a, a leaf and you can have like a water droplet running down the leaf and uh, if you position a flower behind the water droplet mm. um, so just like maybe uh, 
four to six inches in the background. And this takes infinite patience to do this. Mm. Like just set aside a half a day, be, be prepared to get a bit frustrated because this is all about um, good exercises like um, uh, what's that movie, The Karate Kid? Where it's yeah. like wash on, wash off. Wax so it's on, kind wax of, off. Wax on, wash, wax off. That's it. So it's kind of like that. You just need to be completely in the zone and be prepared to just like it's it's minute movements and like you move too far, you lose the reflection. So you've got to be really patient. And like flowers look good. I've done it with Nutella and uh, and put a little jars of Nutella in the droplets. It helps to um, have glycerin um, in in the water. You mix it in, um, and it, it's uh, it it makes a, a thicker water droplet. So because if you're just using water, that tends to run off. Um, you, again, you need a high aperture, and it's great to have your uh, water droplet backlit. So if you can uh, find a natural spot where there's light. Um, streaming into your room just use that natural light to backlight your image and um, also much easier to focus using uh, when you've got your camera on focus and move the product rather than the camera and if you don't have real flowers you can use fake flowers no one's going to tell when they're that small and um, also it's when you're looking for foliage you know how there's that shiny foliage that's really shiny and smooth that's mm. not as good because the water just runs off really quickly because it's such a shiny surface. So look for a rougher kind of foliage because that'll sort of gives the water droplet uh, something to grip in, grip onto. And I think for this, it's important that you do this indoors because if you've got a slight breeze, mm. uh, your water droplets are always going to fall off and it'll be really frustrating. So that's a good little exercise. And then finally, if you feel like trying something uh, a bit more advanced and you're into um, compositing images then the final one that I did is a um, the little the Lego construction workers and it's not even Lego it's fake Lego it's Fego it's Fego okay so what this is um, is you know the iconic shot of uh, the is from I think the 1930s of it's black and white it's in New York um a building, a skyscraper, and there's a bunch of workmen who are eating their lunch off a giant beam that's extending out over the city, that iconic shot. I think it could actually be the Empire State Building. Um, anyway, Jean has recreated that shot with Fego, <laughs> it, they, with five little little men looks like the village people it does look like the village people (laughs) and they're having their lunch and reading maps and reading plans and stuff like that and they're sitting on a beam um and she's then put the skyline of what's got melbourne behind it (laughs) so as you can see gina has had hours of (laughs) amusement this this week to bring you this episode. My daughter came round to visit me today. She's like, Mum, what are you doing? Are you all right? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Is isolation getting to you? I'm like, no, I'm perfectly happy. Mm-hmm. Now go away. I'm playing with my Lego. <laughs> oh my so this God. was uh, really easy. So the first image is I used actually a wooden spoon to uh, between uh, two um, cans to balance my uh, Lego figures and that was the base image and I just made sure that I got the um, 
the angle right so I was sort of shooting slightly above them so that when I dropped in my background which I'd already shot uh, that that I knew it would work and I also had a, a, an existing shot of a, a beam because I've done this shot before Val for, for clients beam. where did yes. you get the beam from uh, the art department made it for me. Oh, you, it so fantastic. you shot a beam? Yeah, we shot the beam separately, mm. and then I put the all the guys on it, and uh, and then uh, they gave me access to one of the tallest buildings in Melbourne to get this uh, this background here. And then I've also um, added smoke as an overlay over the top <laughs> just to give it a bit of grit mm. and uh, make it all look real. And then finally, I combine all the images and um, add another extra. Uh, layer where I'll do a bit of uh you know color editing and things like that just to make it all That's kind great. of merge together what what I'll do is I'm actually working on this tutorial um the real one uh the behind the scenes of the real uh construction workers tutorial right. so I think I'm not not throw the in, fego not the no but I'm going to throw the fego <laughs> in at the end I think of the all right making so, of, if, it's so much fun. if people didn't have access to an art department that could make a bean that looks like it's out, out of an iconic shot in New York you could York. make one out of lego yeah. it'd be even better I've seen that done, or you could actually get a uh, balsa wood, or um, yeah, you know, wood. That's a good idea. You can, or or yeah. a, or a um, whittle one out of a stick from but the this, garden. But Whittling. This, but, but this is uh, this brings up a good point: is that when you're out and about, whether you're you know just going on your walks, or you know once ISO life is over and you get access to certain buildings and stuff like that, always think with a photographer's eye and think what you can put can put in your bank. So yes. if you actually happen to be somewhere where there's a groovy looking or grungy looking beam that, you know, you don't have the models or the subject or or anyone at the time, but take a photo of it anyway because you can use it later for some other shoot. So always yeah. walk around with that eye so that you are taking those sorts of shots because they'll come in handy later yep. for sure doorways, uh, birds flying. Mm. Every time you see a beautiful uh, sky, take photos, put on your widest lens and take a whole series of, of exposures. When you see interesting cloud formations, when you see um, sand, if you happen to be in a desert, take a shot of the empty uh, backdrop at, you know, water. All of these things come in so handy when you start doing um, compositing and it's uh, it's so much fun and it is next level photography and this is stuff that you can you like imagine this shot of all the lego figures right if you had a family who commissioned you to take a portrait of their child and you happen to know that that child was just mad about lego and you shot that child and put that in amongst the lego how, how happy would that family be very cute. So you could but do also, that. You could easily do that. Something to think about as well. And, of course, I realise that every country and every state and every city has different rules. But uh, in in the current situation of, you know, quarantine and isolation. But, for example, in Sydney, if you're going to work, it's okay. Or if you're going, if going out for exercise or for essential things like supermarket, it's okay. But But what I encourage you to do is, Never in the history of your lifetime will you get a shot of 
the opera house with no one in it mm. or George Street with no one in it or Fifth Avenue with no one in it or whatever, you know, Grand Central Station or Flinders Street Station with no one in it. Never in the history of your life will that happen in the daytime. It will probably happen at night, of course. But if you happen to be going past those places on your way to do essential things, have your camera with you because yes. how handy would that be to have these yep. shots of these fantastic places that are usually crazy busy and that you usually have to wait forever to get a clean shot or, you know, the, this way you can put whatever you want in that location. Fantastic. Yeah, and then start making up that um, archive or, or as mm. you call it, the bank um, mm. and, you know, hashtag everything. There are ways using Lightroom that you can add a hashtag to those images and then you can just easily search for all your sky backgrounds or your bird backgrounds or your empty alleyway backgrounds and they just mm. come in so handy for this sort of so stuff. Handy. So, yeah, there you go, Val. So hopefully Love uh, that's the challenge for this week. So hopefully uh, you guys won't let me down and um, create some amazing Can't shots. I can't wait to Can't see wait to what see happens it. this week. This is so much fun. Absolutely. Um, and anyone can do it. And, if you know, you don't have to have Lego. You can have Fego or you, whatever <laughs> miniatures that you can come up with or you can just use uh, just do macros of uh, bugs or, you know, whatever, whatever you've got. Yeah, love it. All right. This brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? I'll be continuing uh, my new favourite addiction, Val, which is um, fish and chips. What? Fish and chips, the best thing. So uh, for all the non-Australian listeners, uh, we have uh, one well, of the Well, British great people, things. I think, are oh, quite British familiar with fish and chips. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, but, but it's battered fish and it would be like a white fish battered and deep fried. Thank you very much. And um, also the chips, uh, not French fries. Chips no. are like just say you got six French fries and stuck them together. That would be the, roughly what a chip would be, don't you think? Maybe eight French fries stuck well, maybe together. Maybe not eight, but, yeah, okay, six. So they're plus-size French fries. Mm. and there's they're a place not, But not here, quite wedges. Not quite wedges. In between a French between. fry and a wedge is yeah. a chip. Yeah. And when they're made well, it's heaven, 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 heaven. heaven. They're so, not made well uh, that often. Well, I found a place really uh, that delivers. Oh my uh, the god! The owners deliver them to you to the door, and they're hot. They're like, oh, like they've wow. just come out of it, and it was like the best half hour of my life, Val. So the beginning into that, <laughs> and then uh, aside from that, we just did the uh, uh, AMA for the the Goldies. So I'll be continuing on with those uh, tutorials. Working with those and um, trying to keep myself out of trouble. Val, what about you? That sounds good. What am I doing? I am. I've been. <laughs> you wouldn't believe what I was doing till four a.m. last night because I got on a bit of a roll. I mm -hmm. decided I wanted to do <laughs> block printing of a hedge maze. Of course, you know you did. Hedge, hedge yeah. mazes that you get lost in, like made out of hedges. Um, I think they're like in, I don't know, I haven't even seen the Hunger Games, but stuff like that. And so I thought, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Not kind of realising how complicated hedge mazes are, So I, but that's why I was up to 4am because I managed to finally do it and create my own hedge maze and do a block print of it. That's just my, my what I so do to I, amuse myself. If I, 
If I needed hedge maze now, you'd be able to provide me with the plans and dimensions for that? Totally. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm so excited. Because you, you've always amazing. wanted one of those. I've always wanted one in my front yard. Imagine having to, like, before you get to your car, you've got to go through a hedge maze every morning to get to work. How stressful no, would that be? That would be not fun. You'd get really good at Isn't that that you run, if you keep your left hand on the wall, you eventually get out? Is, is that the rule? Is it? The hedge maze? That's what I heard. Oh, might not okay. be right. I might, may have just made that up, but that's what I've heard. Okay, I don't know about that. But anyway, Gina, where do we find you online? Find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then join me in the gold community. And you can find that at ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com where you can see pictures of the block-printed hedge-made maze yeah. if you want. Well, on Instagram anyway. Um, uh, thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.